0: Hey everybody, Steve here. Local level podcast. I'm sitting here today with Philip Rutherford, Rutherford Law PC. He's a child and family law, uh, law professional, and uh, you can you can find out more about his practice at RutherfordLawPC.com. Philip, it's a real pleasure to have you on. Thanks for taking the time.
1: Thanks for having me, Steve.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And you know we were uh, we were talking last week about a lot of different topics. Um, this particular topic dealing with you know. Um, dcfs and child protective services and all those different types of things you know family law the the family and child courts it actually does hit kind of close to home for me in particular because i actually have experience as a child dealing you know navigating that um so it's it's one of those things where this is a really interesting conversation because i never really got the perspective from you know the adult perspective of it of dealing with it and um can you tell me a little bit about what you deal with on a daily basis in your profession, you know, what what does that look like?
1: Um, So as you mentioned before, I am a child and family focused attorney. Uh, Basically I help families uh, resolve issues like divorce, custody support and visitation, and kind of all the other smatterings that come along uh, with family law. So uh, uh, on a day to day uh, basis, it really kind of depends on where I am in any case. I'm either um, talking to someone for the first time um, helping them plan for uh, a potential divorce filing, or I'm talking to someone who is uh, in the middle of some type of issue, not sure if it's a legal issue or not, but just needs some kind of uh, guidance and assistance. And a lot of what I do is really listen to people's stories and try to uh, fit their life or their situation into a legal framework right. and basically to, to put it into the words and, and the form and figure that you know, the court will understand. Um, So, you know, any, any given day it's, it's, I'm, I'm in court, Uh, although not recently with uh, with uh, (laughs) uh, shut down, but I'm either uh, in court on the phone or, or talking to, you know, any number of people that are involved in a family law matter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's so many facets to the family law thing. I mean, you, you touched on just a few of them. I mean, divorce and, you know, child, child services and custody, uh, so many sensitive topics, so many things that are very important to, to resolve quickly for the most part. Um, you know, divorces can be very rough, but one of the big things is domestic abuse, domestic problems. And you do deal with that as well. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, Um, I mean, domestic violence touches on uh, a lot of facets of life and you see it both in the context of, uh, you know, intact relationships. So in, in marriage, uh, for instance, but you also see it uh, the other type of work I do is called parentage, which mm-hmm. is basically the rules that govern um, two people that are not married but share a child in common so basically right. those rules as opposed to coming out of a divorce uh, for instance with children um, so domestic violence is is on you know touches all facets of those people's lives um, it's a tough situation to deal with um,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, the reason I really bring that part up is because of the fact that our current situation with the lockdown and everything going on, the courts uh, are not open for the most part. Maybe they're opening up now. How has that affected your cases and your, your, your caseload and the you know the resolutions for your clients?
1: Yeah, so I think in uh, in March, so like March sixteenth was March sixteenth, yeah, was the last in person court date that I actually attended. Um, And that was right when we were hearing buzzings about, uh, you know, the the court being shut down for an extended time. Mm -hmm. The I think initial 30 or so days was more uh, because of the confusion about what actually was going on and and kind of the long term effects. I think it was just a pause on uh, whatever was active in the court uh, basically said, Hey, if you had a court date kind of stuck in this, in this time period, we're just going to reschedule you to a time when the court, uh, you know, is opened up Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, it didn't really matter what you were, uh, in the middle of, so to speak, that when you came back to court, it was kind of an update. Hey judge, this is what's been going on. This is where we are. This is what we've been able to work out or not work out. And then from that point setting, uh, the matter for, you know, a a hearing or a trial or, or something else. Sure. Um, at that point. So I think the, the first 30 was kind of contacting the client saying, Hey, something's going on. Uh, we're still here though. So pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any questions, um, as it started to drag out a little bit, the court was actually, um, and I'm, I'm a domestic relations attorney. So I'm in the domestic relations division. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say that they were a lot more, uh, it feels that they were a lot more proactive, um, in kind of thinking about what to do at, as the shutdown kind of dragged out. Um, So they definitely put procedures in place um, Mm -hmm. for hearing matters, but really they were kind of initially concerned with emergency matters. So if it's an emergency, we've definitely got a way for you to file this. Um, We'll review it and say whether or not we think this uh, like a Zoom conference would be fine or if this requires you and your client and all these people to come in. Um, So they put uh, processes in place to do something like that. Um, another thing uh, as it relates to my division is uh, parents who were uh, stuck in a, like a temporary parenting plan. So maybe they're trying a new custody uh, arrangement. And so oh, dad is going to get more time during the summer or some other time that basically the court said in advance, like we realize that this the duration of these schedules might not have been uh, what you thought they were going to be or that the um, depending on on the actual custody arrangements. Some are a lot more specific in in what parents can and cannot do. Some are very general that, you know, dad just has parenting time this time, this time and this time. And the court said in advance that, listen, we realize COVID is an inconvenience. Um, for people, but we're just going to say that whatever's in place now is going to go ahead and stay in place until regular court kind of resumes. Uh, with the caveat, though, that obviously if you're, I mean, you are represented or not, but if you're represented, your attorney could always file an emo, uh, file a motion. Mm-hmm. And if it was an emergency, that they had already made kind of procedures for getting uh, emergencies handled as well.
0: Yeah, I can see that there's a lot of, uh, potential emergencies and you know i mean whenever you're in that type of situation where it's a custody battle i mean there's so many situations where there's arguments and you know i mean when you're on lockdown what do you do you can't go back and forth you can't you know hand off Uh, have you um well so
1: here's the here's the thing with the lockdown it it was already stated that the kind of transporting or exchange of the child was not a like a risky um endeavor like that was permitted Oh that they wow. already said in advance whatever the schedule and arrangements for the transport back and forth we're going to say that that's good that's good you know presumptively good if you have a problem with it file a motion yeah. you know at that point to get it addressed
0: have you have you seen uh, a large amount of people filing those motions like for safety concerns for instance
1: um not filing of the motions, but I've, I've gotten quite a bit of calls from people uh, who are in these situations with um, just yesterday, actually, uh, a potential client of mine um, basically was visiting with a friend outside and they, everyone had a mask on. They were standing outside mm-hmm. um, Dad got wind of it on Facebook and called mom angry, 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 saying, mm-hmm. you know, how dare you do that? you know, my, my spouse is, you know, compromised, um, Uh, you know, and, and here you're putting me at risk. So I think there's a lot of those types of things happening. Like I'm getting, I think phone calls about people, like just unsure, like what is a safe level, I guess, of COVID exposure or or something like that.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, the unfortunate part is nobody really has the answers. Uh, so it's, it's a very tricky subject. I, I can imagine that there's plenty of people looking for advice on those topics and uh you know for you you, you got to be pretty busy i mean right before we were talking you said you it's been a crazy week so yeah um that's a good thing uh that things are getting back you know rolling again uh thankfully yeah. um but uh you know let me ask you a little bit you know just to kind of give a little background on on you um and uh you know how you got into things how you grew up and you know kind of the reason why you got into this type of law um can you tell us a little bit about your backstory? Um,
1: yeah. So I, I am from a, a very large family. Uh, my family is actually from Jamaica. And um, you know I, I lived there for a few years when I was younger. Um, and I think that that experience, being from a large family, being an immigrant yeah. um, of sorts, being a person of color, uh, taught me this kind of bigger sense of community mm-hmm. uh, in terms of being involved in, in certain circles. So I... I was raised to, you know, love people, to, to do right by them, um, and to, you know, uh, try to make a difference in this world. And I, I guess I just took those lessons as I grew up and tried to apply them. So uh, in high school, for instance, I worked at an after-school center with at-risk youth. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a great experience. Um, met, you know, met the community, got involved there. Um, when I went to, after I graduated college, I actually took a job. So I I went to college at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. and I took a job uh, with the college after graduation, uh, basically helping um, to increase uh, access and enrollment of at-risk youth in any kind of post-high school education. And the experience there, um, you know, while we were really there to kind of talk about barriers to education, uh, what we really found out was that the barriers to some of the barriers rather to education don't really have anything to do with education. These are family and home problems. Right. Um, for instance, you know, Johnny can't pass uh, first period math. Uh, and it's not because he's he's dumb or, you know, he, he's lazy. It's because Johnny's taking his brother to school in the morning because his parent leaves for work right. uh, really early. So I, I feel like I had a lot of these uh, types of aha moments um, growing up. And just, uh, in, in thinking about how I could do something with, with those experiences and do a little bit more about the work that I was doing, law school seemed like, um, a, like a good fit, mm-hmm. um, where I am now in terms of a, a business owner. So I've always wanted to own, uh, my own business. I didn't know what it was, um, until I completed law school and said, you know, this is something that I think I can do, um, on my own.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's a big, that's a big leap, um, to, to, I mean, obviously, going through law school itself is a big, big, giant task. So, congrats to you on that. Um, but starting your own practice is another animal all in itself. Um, how did that process go? How long did you work for um, other firms before you decided to, to jump ship and start your own?
1: Um, so, I graduated in thir- 2013, took the bar in 2014. Um, and started the firm in 2015, oh, wow. um, all while I was employed uh, with the law school doing non-legal work. Um, and so I, I took the time to, so after I got licensed and officially started the firm, um, I started taking on pro bono uh, guardianship work, um, okay. adoption work, and some, they call it guardian ad litem, but it's basically yep. a person that comes into a case to kind of uh, fact find and assist the court Uh, so I did that for a couple of years. Uh, there's a fantastic organization here called, uh, Chicago volunteer legal services, and they practice in uh, several different areas of law. And basically how they function is, uh, people call them, say, this is the type of issue I have. And then they, uh, they'll do an intake and they'll field it out to their attorneys that are kind of in this practice area. Uh, but a majority of the, uh, the attorneys that, um, help Chicago Volunteer Legal Services are volunteer attorneys who are doing it for free. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took on work through them. Uh, part of the uh, reason why is they have an, an awesome support system. Um, if you ever need assistance with the case, they have people in office that are dedicated to that specific practice area. So you can really um, you know, ask them questions and they'll explain things to you in, in a very kind of not to make you feel dumb type of a way.
0: <laughs> well, that's um, good. <laughs>
1: So after a few years uh, of doing that kind of work, I just decided to make a go at it. It started to interfere with my work schedule in that I'd have to take off, like, time from work, a, a day off to go to court. But really, if a client calls you in the middle of the day, like, my job now is to answer or to be responsive. Right. Then I really couldn't because of, you know, I'm working. <laughs> I'm at another job.
0: Right, right, yeah. I mean, you, you, what I find a lot of times is I mean, you've got to either be all in or all out, you know.
1: Somebody, uh, <laughs> uh, um, one of my teachers, a law school professor, told me that she had never heard of a part-time attorney. Ever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I haven't either. Yeah, um, and yeah, I mean, it's 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 noble work, though. I mean, dealing with uh, at-risk youth and and you know, child uh, services, it, it's like, you know, it's what I find, and I mean, personal experience, it those things affect you for the rest of your life, and when you don't have anybody to guide you through it whether you're the parent or you know the child you know i mean it's like if those things don't get resolved the right way and it, it drags on and it you know bitter relationships you know mother and father type of things it can scar a child for the rest of their life so it's like you know i can see why you obviously uh, are, are passionate about that type of work after having the experience with it um you know can you can you point to a time um where you maybe doubted that this was something that you wanted to get into? Maybe was there something that was a little rough and you felt like maybe I shouldn't be doing that? Has that ever happened to you?
1: Um I think when I maybe first made a go at doing it full time on my own and then so before doing uh, adoption work, which makes people happy, it's, right. it's, it's families, uh, guardianship, same type of a thing. But when I really uh, dove into family law and started really hearing about, um, you know, I, I know that adults do things that are crazy and, you know, whether or not they make sense is, is, is a whole nother thing. But when uh, a problem involves a kid, it seems a little bit uh, more serious um, to me. And I think that as people started to tell me, this is what's going on in my life. This is what's right. going on with my kids. You know, and it's it's one thing you have the adults and their problems and kind of the tangential effects it has on their kids. Yeah. But then you also have kids with serious mental health issues that are cutting, that are exhibiting all these really extreme behaviors right. that parents also have to deal with and deal with, you know, a, a potentially a co-parent that either is not on board with what's going on or is blaming the other parent for exacerbating and making it worse. And then, I mean, or basically this, this issue with kids having to go back and forth. So I think that as I really started to dive in and and hear about some of the stuff that was really happening, I guess I thought to myself, what is the value that I'm adding into this situation? Like, what can I really do here? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that what I realize is, you know, something that you actually said just a little bit earlier, um, that not knowing the process, not knowing what's ahead, not knowing how to handle this or, you know, even if someone engages you in the core process, what to expect out of that, I think causes a lot more stress, adds a lot more stress to, you know, anything parents are dealing with. So I think that I realize that my value is that I'm like, I'm calm. In really uh, hectic situations, that I'm really good at explaining to people. Here's where we're at. Here's the steps we need to do to get this. You know, here are the potential things we'll face. And I think that you know, my value is really, I don't want to say taking the emotion out of the situation because I'm I'm a very right. empathetic person. Like I, I, f- I, feel for these people. Yeah. Um, really, kind of like helping them to refocus and, and get a plan in place to reduce whatever stress I can um, out of that situation.
0: Well, that, yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. And I mean, and I've been talking to a lot of attorneys lately, uh, sensitive things, you know, lots of, not just paperwork, you know, um, and, uh, the ability to connect and to actually feel that emotion and, and understand where the client is coming from. I think outside of, just law. I mean, in anything, really, if you're, if you're having a client relationship or any relationship, to be able to put yourself kind of in their shoes. Um, obviously, you don't have everybody's experience. Everybody has their own set of experiences that get them to the point where they are. Um, so but you know, trying to put yourself in that position, getting yourself uh, to, to kind of have that empathy is so important. But like you said, not taking that emotion out of it, understanding and then navigating through it is so important because that's what you're there for. It's to make sense of it all, you know, to be the, the calmer head to, to, you know, kind of prevail, I guess, whatever the, the saying is, calmer heads prevail. Um, that's really important. So how did you, did you have to learn how to do that? Or was that something that came natural to you? Because that's not an easy thing to do.
1: Um, I think it's a combination of both. I am naturally that way. I I would say I'm not an emotionally driven person. I'm a logical type of a person. Um, But I think the uh, experience of how to counsel someone through something like that came, I think, just from uh, repeatedly doing it. So people come in, tell me shocking things. I absorb it. And then right. help to kind of process that. And it's just the more that I do it, I think the better I get at that portion of it. But I think that the the not reacting from an emotional standpoint is, is me naturally.
0: Well, that's probably a good thing because if you were emotional basket case, it would be a, a nightmare for you because there's probably plenty of crazy things to, to uh, dwell on uh, that walk through the door or call you on the phone. Um, so, I mean – like you say, you come at it from a logical perspective and try to keep the emotion out of it. But do you have any examples where that got a little rough and you got a little, maybe too close or too, uh, attached to a case?
1: Um, e, there was, what is it? 2020 now? So last year I think it was, yeah, last year. Um, there was a client of mine that when we started working together, um, I realized that this was an emotional person. Um, You know, this person cried during the consultation, which isn't uncommon, but like, you know, almost immediately. So I kind of said, "Okay, something's going on here. And it was the more I started to work with them, the more I realized that something just this the situation was not right for some reason. I don't know if he had some other bigger issue that I, as an attorney, am not equipped to deal with. Right. But that right. situation, no matter, I mean, the the amount of counseling I did for him or tried to explain, here's where we're at. This is what we're doing. This is why this is important that this and this happened. He could not get out of his own way, yeah. uh, you know, to, to make that happen. So the relationship got uh, bad in, in the sense that it, it became emotionally weighing on me because I knew that no matter what I was telling him, what he was doing was something different. And that ultimately I was like waiting for the other side to file a motion or something yeah. to come yeah. my way. So I was this feeling of apprehension, mm-hmm. just kind of waiting uh, for something. So, you know, we ended up parting ways. Um, this person has checked in with me a, a couple of times since oh, wow. uh, oh, wow. since we did, you know. But yeah, it, that I think that's the only the only real time that the, the relationship just, I just felt like I could not get through to this person in the right way that it just, our working relationship would not
0: continue. Yeah, it makes sense. I I mean, I, I work with, um, you know, I do marketing for a living and, you know, I deal with small business owners and everybody kind of has their little quirks. Everybody's different, you know, you know, even when you're dealing with the same similar types of scenarios, people are so different and people can be strange. So it's like, sometimes it's just not a good fit and there's nothing you can do to change it, whether it's yeah. a personality thing or whatever. Um, you got to be able to call those things because the worst thing that you can do is get yourself involved in something and you can't get out of it easily, you know? Um, so yeah, <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. It's a learning lesson, uh, um, to, you know, to start off your practice. Now, um, yeah. one other thing, I mean, is as, as we all know, uh, our businesses have all been affected, uh, by this, this lockdown. How has your business been affected, um, uh, uh, specifically through all of this shutdown?
1: Um, so I think maybe because of the way that I started practicing, I was maybe set up to be a little bit more, um, efficient of an office. So like I I run, although I like to print things, I run a paperless office um, a lot. I have technology that I use to deliver documents to clients, to e-sign and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say the real effect that the shutdown had on me was more or less not being able to use my office, my physical office space in the same uh, way, not having people here presently. Mm -hmm. Um, But to tell you the truth, I, I feel like my my business was already set up to work from home um, in a sense. So it was more or less just get, make sure my printer and my scanner and things were in a location I could use. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other effect is that, um, you know, with with people's income being a little bit uncertain, you know, I would do consults with people that were like, you know, I love everything you're telling me, but I'm not sure if I'm going to have a job next month. So I'm hesitant to, you know, to start. Um, also had effect where you know some of my clients did lose their jobs, um, so you know working with them um, around those issues as well. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I I felt like I did a pretty good, a pretty good job. Well, that's, <laughs> that's good. That's
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, what I what I find when I when I've been speaking with people that are newer businesses, you know, younger younger professional people that are used to dealing with meetings like this, you know, uh, teleconferencing and doing everything online, you know, I mean, that's kind of our, you know, that's that's our generation. You know what I mean, that that's how we grew up. A lot of older um, attorneys and older law offices, older offices in general that operate on that paper and the copy machine and all that stuff, you know, the fax machine, those people are really in a bad spot. Um, yeah. Now, one of the things that comes to mind with that. I don't necessarily think of the court system as the most uh, technologically advanced and efficient uh, organization you know, uh, or institution. Um, how has that changed through all this, the, the, the way that you conduct um, hearings and, and uh, you know, get things done um, when you can't do it in person?
1: Yeah, so the, the court is relying heavily on Zoom, video conferences, that type of a thing. Um, you could, prior to uh, the COVID shutdown, request that you appear, you know, telephonically or something. So that the, a, a remote appearance is not a new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, with, I think, the success of Zoom meetings, A, with the necessity of Zoom or uh, those types of things, and then with the success of it, I think the court is um, going to implement doing it a lot more. Um, yeah. I think the issue, uh, the, one of the bigger problems, is a lot of people, uh, especially in domestic relations, um, choose to go pro se, which basically means they go without an attorney, right. and right. not having uh, that, you know, intimate knowledge about who the judges, who the coordinators are, who you can email or contact with a problem. Um, you know, is is already problematic when you have in-person court because you're just kind of walking around the building looking for someone. Uh, Now when you don't have any access, you know, you're really kind of stuck out there. And, you know, if you're talking about someone that doesn't have uh, access to email or technology, um, you know, what are they to do?
0: I don't have an answer for that. I don't – not much. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's uh, that's, you know, I mean, this has been eye opening for so many people, all different walks of life, all different industries. I mean, um, it's like, you know, if you can't uh, adapt to the changes and and you have to adapt so quickly, I mean, this happened overnight, basically, Um, then you're you're out of business. You know, you're you're done. And, you know, it's like that's so sad, you know, but it's it's also a positive thing. for the ones that are like you, where you started this and you're, you're, you're in a good position because, you know, you're able to, I would assume, I think when we talked about this before, you, you leverage the technology to really make your workflow more efficient, keep your overhead down, um, you know, and, and that's, that's going to be overall better for you, but, you know, using these technological things, you know, doing these meetings, these, uh, you know, consultations over zoom and all that, I would assume that you do. um, That's, that's going to make it so much easier. So, you know, it's going to make it so much easier for you, but also for your clients. And I figure if the court system can, you know, really, really hold on to this and keep this as a, as as a regular thing, you know, and really, you know, build on it. Um, I think that the backlog on cases, you know, having to wait for a hearing for next month or next month and next month and, and forever, you know, never getting anywhere with things. I think that that can go away. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that the system is going to uh, hold on to the, you know, the remote meetings and all that stuff, or do you think they're going to go back to business as usual? What do you think? Uh,
1: I I think it'll be a combination um, of both things. I think that the uh, remote meetings, like you said, have provided a lot of efficiency. So, you know, for instance, there are uh, courthouses that I visit, you know, that are in the suburbs um, or just kind of around um, that are not downtown. Um, it will take me 40 minutes to drive there. I might be sitting 30 to 40 minutes waiting for my case to be called and I got to turn around and come back. And that is wasted time or time I'm billing to a client that really isn't me doing anything per se, but it's kind of like, you've got my attention and my focus. Um, having the zoom meetings, quick. Like there, I mean, there's some waiting around in in the waiting rooms for you to be like admitted to something. Mm Um, but it, I think it it cuts a lot of cost um, and time out for both the attorney. So now I feel like I can do more, you know, in those mornings because now I'm I'm at my desk, I can jump into a couple of these meetings. I can do things while I'm waiting, um, Mm -hmm. versus just kind of the normal, um, procedure. I think, uh, an interesting, um, I guess this will be interesting to see how it plays out. But so with, with a lot of family law work you will involve uh, third parties, so people that will do evaluations of a, a family of a child of a living situation, things like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, how do you conduct uh, a thorough investigation of someone's house when they're like walking you around on FaceTime or, yeah. or something? Like that, so I think there are other problems that will that the video will not solve. It will make it efficient to meet these people, but how do you really do you know your job without meeting your client
0: yeah. um, in right. that way? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's just some things that you have to do in person. I mean, yeah. if you're going to do it right, at least you know. Um, uh, so yeah, that that makes good sense. Uh, it's it's very interesting though, from the business perspective, especially where uh, and you brought it up where you know you are actually you actually have access to courthouses that are not anywhere near us have mm-hmm. you thought about expanding your area have you thought about any is that possible i don't really know the legality of that but is there is there any like going into different counties and things like that uh, how does that I, work
1: yeah. so i think it'll depend on So with with what's going on with COVID, I think it'll depend on what procedures, you know, the counties or or the states. And obviously I'd have to be licensed across state border um, for, you know, what procedures they would do. But the one of the memos that I saw uh, a few weeks ago that came out about the Zoom meetings. So the court actually domestic relations put out a separate order specifically addressing conduct uh, during electronic meetings, who's supposed to be there, who's not. What you're supposed to wear, those types of things, um, and I, uh, one of the memos that came out prior just talked about the fact that Zoom or these video meetings was working so well nationwide. Um, so I think that in in whatever capacity our court system, and, and you know sometimes in some things we're ahead, sometimes we're behind in certain things, but in whatever capacity you know video uh, meetings and things like that are integrated into our court system, I think those things will also exist kind of in the broader, um, you know, in other states and other counties.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. That's got to be exciting for you um, just because, I mean, you started this practice fairly recently. So it's like, it's not like you have to change your ways mm-hmm. for the most, like a lot at least. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's going to be an opportunity, a really big opportunity here to number one, pass that savings where you don't have to bill those hours sitting in traffic um, onto the client, you can, you can turn, you can actually handle more cases faster. So you're not losing anything. You're helping people faster. More efficiency is always better for the most part. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that's an exciting thing. Uh, where do you see the business going? What, what, what do you foresee? What are your, what are your plans for your business as far as expanding and growing and, you know, bringing on other attorneys or anything like that? What do you think?
1: Yeah. So, um, in the process of hiring a law clerk, um, right now, so that's kind of first expansion. And that is more a symptom of, you know, the, the, the core of what I do, I would say is, is motion practice, is you know, filing things with the court, responding to documents that are filed. Mm-hmm. Um, so bringing in someone to kind of help me, uh, you know, turn the paperwork a little bit, you know, to enable me to take on, um, more business in that capacity. Um, I'm doing a lot of thinking about, you know, the size, how big I want my business to grow. But I feel like a common complaint from people about their attorneys is that, you know, at some point, they be they become non responsive to them. Or, you know, uh, you're the name and face of this firm. And I called and maybe I talked to you initially, but every follow up issue I have, it's your associate or someone else I'm talking to. Um, And I really think that, you know, that is the thing i don't want to lose in my business is the fact that my clients know me feel like they have a relationship with me and that i actually care about what's going on with them so you know i i'd love to grow in whatever capacity enables me to keep that connection uh with my client and you know maybe that means bringing on uh, other like superstars super empathetic superstars or whatever to you know to continue on the feeling I'm trying to build at my firm, then, you know, that's, it is, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I think my concern is just losing out on the, the, the relationship with the clients by, if I expand, you know, too much.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. At some point, the reward of actually solving people's problems, it goes away and it's like, you know, I think that's why you got into this, right? Yeah. Um, what, what's the most rewarding thing about what you do? What, what do you, uh, what do you get up for every day?
1: You know, tell you the truth, it's a thank you. It's a thank you. And it's like when, I mean, I've, I've had people cry in court, hug me and cry, like okay. all kinds of things. And it's, you know, uh, a divorce case in particular that I had, I think my client was just so wrapped up in the details of what was going on, mm-hmm. that literally the day we we finalized, got the stamp on the divorce judgment, like, this emotional release, uh, happened. And I, I feel like, you know, when people come to me, like I said, they, they are not always in a good place. And if I'm able to, from, you know, engagement to judgment, help really do something in their lives. And, you know, they're appreciative of that, you know, that's, that's really all I need. I guess I realize that my job is complicated. Mm -hmm. You know, it's tough. It's emotionally draining sometimes, but so long as me and my clients have a, a good relationship and they know that, even if it's tough love that I have to give them often um, that I'm doing it from a place of of love of respect you know of caring about what's going on with them you
0: know? yeah yeah well that's a yeah that's a good answer I mean it's it makes perfect sense yeah I mean a thank you is really really important sometimes just that you know like okay well it looks like what I did actually matters you know I yeah. mean there's there's nothing worse than Doing something and feeling like it's worthless, you know, or it's, you're not getting anywhere. You know, I, yeah. I've, I've done, I've had, had jobs like that before in the past where, you know, you're doing something and then the next week it starts and you got to do it all over again, you know, right. sales in particular. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's really interesting. I mean, I love uh, having these conversations with people, um, you know, like yourself uh, to kind of get a little perspective about the other side of things, you know, you, you, know, you never really get an opportunity to like look through somebody else's uh perspective everybody's kind of got their uh, their things going on uh, in the in the background um, but so let's see here we covered uh uh your why you know why do you do it we covered that we we covered kind of your background we covered where you want to go uh, for the most part now let's talk a little bit about the actual um method of how you grow your business and like um you know the 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 marketing part of it how do you get your clients i mean i know people call you but what are the most effective things that you do what are the the type of clients that okay here's one so if your phone could ring all day long and it was one type of client it was one type of case what would that particular case be
1: Um, so I would say that I, I, like I said earlier, I deal with kind of two issues, one, uh, marriage, things that come out of marriage and then the, uh, parentage issue, which are non-married parents. Um, so in, in the parentage, uh, context, what you're really focused on is the child. And maybe you're talking money, but you're talking child support money or contributions for college or daycare, extracurriculars, those types of things. Okay. And those seem a little bit more straightforward. I think people can kind of keep um, their, their head on a little bit when they're focused on that. Um, in the divorce context, like there are kids, but there's also property. And although they are not related, people have a hard time separating them. Like if, hmm. you know, if... if she isn't going to let me see the kids, then I'm not going to be amicable in, in what I would offer as a settlement or something like that. So it's a lot of times trying to wrap up like financial issues that really don't have anything to do with the custody, but like the parents kind of stick them together because they, you know, they can't get out of their own way. So I would say from that perspective, the, the parentage stuff is easier because we're, we're only focusing on, on the kids and, and that not dividing uh, property up. But I mean, I, again, I think it's just the the more that I do it and not to say that every, every child support case is the same. Every custody case is the same, but like you can, I I just get a better sense, uh, more quickly what this person is involved in, Mm -hmm. what it is they're trying to do and then whether or not it's something I can actually help with.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, sure. And, um, it makes sense now on the other, on the other side of it, uh, have you had any, I mean, I kind of asked this already a little bit, but, you know, what are the, what are the toughest cases for you? What are the ones that kind of like, you know, when they come through, you're just like, oh, this is going to be a rough one. What do you think?
1: Um, cases that involve children, uh, sexual abuse, uh, mental health issues with kids. Yeah. Um, a lot of times it, it, those types of things compound what's already going on. And it's now trying to figure out like the therapist and the the parents having to uh, jointly pick this person, argue about qualifications, all these types of things. So um, those cases, it you know, I guess I have to think about also what's the situation. But who are these people? Is this a parent that is going to be receptive to hearing what I have to tell them? Can they hear bad news? Yeah. You know. Can they handle bad news or, you know, is is this I'm not saying trumping up what is going on, but is this parent exaggerating? Oh, right, um, right. know, a lot of times, whoever I'm talking to, the person on the other side is always the worst, you know, yeah, worst that you've ever met uh, <laughs> in the world. And sometimes, you know, when I, I, I will say when I first started and this is something law school does not teach you, is that is your clients will lie to you. Like yep. they will look you in the face and lie. And it's one of those things where like, you know, I, I want to believe everything you're telling me, the things I'm writing down to file with the court are based on our dialogue. And yeah. it were a couple of times early on getting burned where someone is like, that's not at all what happened or oh. no, that, you know, it didn't happen that way uh, was, was some interesting lessons.
0: So have you ever, have you ever had to like, um, kind of like, Research or look into somebody's story? Do you ever have to do that, like, you know, to, uh, to check it out?
1: Yeah, a couple of times. So um, when I first, first started, I used to uh, run some ads on, on Google. Um, so I got, you know, I'd get phone calls that way from, you know, people on the Internet.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> people would tell me stories. I mean, this... This story was so unbelievable that I had to research it because I was like, "There's no way that this happened." And then, you know, come to find out that this this guy had done this type of a thing before, going to other attorneys with this story. Oh wow! Uh, much so that uh, apparently an appellate court had written a decision, you know, specifically naming this guy, saying, you know, that uh, his failure to understand like the legal process does not, you know, a lawsuit maker or, or something something basic like that. But, you know, very, uh, sometimes people will call and tell me some extraordinary things. Um, you won't believe that this judge did this thing and, you know, or, or whatever. So I, I will look some people up. Um, I try to, I mean, I, I try to take people as I find them sure. a little and, and And if they give me a reason to doubt, you know, then I'll, I'll do a little bit deeper of a dive, but for the most part, I don't. I don't Google people unless they're telling me something extraordinary. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I can imagine, you you know, you're going to, it won't be the last. I'm sure there's going to be many more uh, crazy stories walking through the door. Um, Now, another thing that I'm just curious, have you ever had like a divorce or some something where you're in the middle of it and they work it out and they don't need it anymore? Has that ever happened? Um, no? No. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, all right. Well, I guess when it gets to the lawyer, it's probably pretty pretty done then, right? I
1: mean, not, not to say that it doesn't. I've, I've been in situations where the other side doesn't want a divorce. Oh, yeah, that's probably. No. Divorce, but, I mean, they haven't, not anyone that's gotten reconciled uh, while I've been working with them.
0: Okay. All right. Well, cross your fingers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's uh, it's going to be, I mean, I'm sure it, the divorce rate, I think it's like, through the roof now with everybody kind of stuck in the house together. Have you noticed that? How has that been kind of playing out?
1: Yeah. So I feel like I'm getting, um, part of, sometimes people will come to me and say, Hey, I'm ready to get a divorce. I don't know what that means really, but let's, let's file, let's do something. Let's start moving this process. Um, the other group of people that come to me are just people that are like, what are my options here after this situation? So I feel like I've gotten a lot of the, what are my options here? Um, And, you know, necessarily when you're talking about um, a divorce and you have two people that live together, uh, you've got, you know, bills that, um, you know, to maintain your marital household. Mm -hmm. And if it's a situation where you feel like you and your spouse are not going to like once paperwork gets filed, people start suddenly not seeing eye to eye, you know, necessarily now that person has to move out. You know, and then here's a whole nother set of bills, utilities and things like that, that now have to pull from that same uh, marital estate. So I think sometimes when uh, money is at issue, when the people don't really have it or it's or one spouse controls it, you know, I think you'll you'll get that type of a thing where people are just uncertain about what can I do? I'm I'm the lower earning spouse here. I'm the one who is experiencing domestic violence or I'm the one who is taking care of the kids, you know, all the time and, and making them go to school
0: and those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people are so strange. Everybody's got a story, you know, and, uh, it's, it's, it's gotta be, I don't know if I could do what you do. I'll tell you. Uh, (laughs) so, you know, I'm glad there's somebody like you to, to be able to handle that stuff and make sense of it. Um, so, I mean, it's, uh, it's, we've, we've pretty much, uh, we've done a whole hour already. Can you believe that? (laughs) It goes by really fast all the time. Um, but I mean, it's, it's interesting. Um, like I said, it's, it, there's, there's so many different uh, uh, people out there. There's so many different struggles that don't stop just because we have the COVID, you know? So uh, I'm glad that things are getting back open. Um, when do you see us kind of getting back to like, I don't know, some sort of normal, like are the courts starting to open now? Is, is thing, are things starting uh, to open up?
1: So I would say open in the sense that they are open via video. Yeah. So, like, there are still ways to get things done um, that way. I think July 6th was the last date that I saw as far as opening some type of in-person services. But, you know, for instance, the Daily Center's 30 floors, small elevators. So how do you resume in person when you're tr- still trying to work out social distancing? Uh, what the court has done is they've started, at least in domestic relations, they are scheduling sta- uh, Zoom status dates uh, like for the first part of the morning and trying to get people kind of like through as, as many of this, you know, to, to address the backlog yeah. uh, as they can. So I see that, you know, things are moving, things are happening. Um, I think the court will reopen in some capacity to in-person stuff. But I also think that people will think that the, uh, the Zoom, you know, Zoom's worked out so well that I think that maybe there'll be a push to use that, um, you know, even more or in substitute to actually physically attending something.
0: Well, if anybody is in need, uh, how, can, how can people get a hold of you? What, uh, what would you recommend that they do?
1: Yeah, uh, you can visit my website, rutherfordlawpc.com. There's a schedule consultation button on the website, or you feel free to call 312-878-7867. Um, we'll sit you down for a consultation, figure out what's going on, get a plan of action going, and get you moving.
0: Perfect, perfect, and uh, you'll do it over Zoom as well, right? So, <laughs> 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 awesome. Well, you know, Philip, it's a, a real pleasure to have you on. I, I, I definitely enjoy the conversation. Um, thanks for taking the time, and um, we'll we'll put the link in the description below here um, so, if anybody is uh, in need of uh, services, definitely check that link out. Give a call for a consultation, at least just for advice. Um, I, I believe it doesn't cost anything just for advice, right? You know, it's free, awesome. Well, you can't beat free, right? <laughs> uh, so, Philip, thanks again. We'll be talking again soon.
1: Thanks for having me, Steve.